0: Terrace Podcast, Ether and Chief Craig Fowler, then you will be rubbish at buying presents for other people. But I've got just the solution for you. Beer 52. How about eight free beers to give to someone special in your life? Hang on a minute. Did I say eight? What I actually meant to say is ten free beers courtesy of Beer 52. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash Terrace and cover 5 95 for postage to claim your free case. What's more, do it before the 17th of December and you get those two extra beers, taking it from 8 to 10, that I just promised you. Beer 52 is a beer club like no other. They send experts around the globe to find the best beer available anywhere. Each month their members receive a new case and members have had beer from more than 40 countries across five continents. If dark beer is not your thing, simply choose the light option. As well as delicious beer, you'll get the Ferment Magazine and two delicious snacks in which to wash it down. So whether you're buying for you or buying for someone else, make sure to sign up to Beer 52. And after redeeming your first case, you'll then join the monthly beer club for £24 a month. But don't worry, there is no minimum commitment. You can pause or cancel at any time. So once again, that's www.beer52.com forward slash terrace.
2: Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I'm your host Tony Anderson, and on this occasion, I am joined by Thomas. What? Hi, Tom. Hi. How are we doing? Oh, I'm grand. I'm. I'm I've been struggling a bit today. I got with the Terrace uh, TV rap The rap party was on Saturday, uh, and I got out of hand, Tom, for some of us, uh, and <laughs> and it was extremely late. Uh, and then I had uh, Sean McGuigan sort of escape in my house uh, like <laughs> early morning <laughs> um, and tried to go and do things. So, yeah, still very much the Monday blues uh, for some of us at the podcast.
1: It, it, it does take out, yeah, I was at a, what, it was effectively a three-day wedding over the weekend. Okay. And, um, yeah, similarly feeling a bit, um, I could, could do with a bit, bit of sleep and a glass <laughs> of water. <laughs>
2: what a three day wedding that sounds great, pretty much. It was
1: great, it was great. Where, where was um, it? Um, it was up uh near Montrose, um, a, a wedding venue, a castle called Drumtochty Castle, and it was one of my best. Nice, uh, it was very, very, yeah, it was great. There was lots of lots of uh drinking and merriment, and I overdid it a little <laughs> and uh. Lots of good eating and lots of Americans coming over and just yeah, lots of cool folk that I've never met before. Uh, but yeah, feeling a wee bit. Um,
2: so that's almost uh, like a, it's almost like a bit of a festival trip type thing. Three days, uh, of, yeah. sort of a carnival, happy atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, but the as the thing with serotonin, when you get too, you use too much over uh, over a period of time, you you always owe the future something. So you do have, you always have to pay it back. Yes,
1: currently paying it back. Currently paying <laughs> it back, but uh, could definitely do with a bit of fresh air and an early night. So.
2: <laughs> well, let's get cracking then, Tom, as you would have missed. Unfortunately, you go away for three days, and this is what happens <laughs> in my life uh, with with Hibs. Pretty much whenever I'm not able is when it all comes comes up Millhouse in Aberdeen, the Dandy Dons. Really hammering home, so sort of like now looking rather, relatively worried. St Mirren four one.
1: Yeah, uh, we didn't have any reception where we were, so we couldn't even get scores. And then we someone someone found reception. And it was like it's, it's two
2: You're Ten c- minutes c- in, it's c- two 0 Climbing to the top one. of the castle, trying. There were, <laughs> try there, use were, the there, were
1: <laughs> there were four people running around trying <laughs> to find some reception. And by that point, somebody found reception. It was three one, and then we had to. Uh, yeah. Then towards the end of the night, um, we decided that there would be a, a, a break in the dancing proceedings for ten to fifteen minutes, so that everyone could get a drink and socialise, and it was so that we could take the go to retire to the groom's room to watch the highlights. <laughs> but no, um, not not expected. I think the the off the back of the Livingston game when. The Aberdeen looked all right, but Livingston hadn't really offered anything until the, the the second half, and were kind of kept at arm's length. I think it was expected this was a be a bit more of a battle, Um but they came flying out the traps, scored two early goals. Um, Joe Lewis made some good saves to to kind of keep it keep it tight, and the the, the way that these games have generally gone is when uh, whenever we've given the teams a a sniff or a way back into it, they've taken it and just kicked the door down. Um, So when it went 2-1, I can imagine there was quite a lot of nerves, but 15 seconds later, it was 3-1, and only really a a pretty heroic performance from Jack on that stopped it from being an awful lot more than that. Um, I think, to some extent, Glass has just ditched the idea of having... A formation at all. And it's gonna be right. We've got the it was kind of like a six-four formation. <laughs> um we'll have we'll have a, a kind of a kind of back four. We'll kind of have um Brown and Ferguson, who's very, very good sitting in front, and then just let the front four interchange and do what they want. And um I'm still yet to be convinced of this is gonna be a plan going forward against anyone with a more Cohesive, competent defence, because St. Mirren really didn't have that. But against a back three where the they're, they're pushing their wing backs on a little bit, it was just there was just overloads happening all the time. Um, so yeah, double for Marley Watkins, double for Christian Ramirez, who's now second top goal scorer.
2: Pretty good day at the office for Aberdeen, really. What I was going to ask you is, um, you probably listened to to last week's podcast, and me and Craig were rambling on, and we were we were talking about Ramirez and saying almost that we we want more from him. Um, and I was and and at the, obviously we didn't mention at the time. There's there's certainly been goals, and he's it, certainly been a good signing. But I was talking about him being a bit of a he, he was more of a poacher than, than I thought. And 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 he's so especially his, his first goal was like such an opportunistic strike. It was a really really great finish. Do you, I I wanted to ask you, I mean, do do you think that was fair or do you think that's something that we, we've sort of just, just through the fact that we don't see Aberdeen every single week, that's something that we've come across?
1: No, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I think he's, he's been quite good at coming deep and linking things up a bit, but he's definitely a number nine. Like he's a, he's more of a, a, and in fairness, that was probably, I mean, that wasn't just probably, that was absolutely what was missing last season. Um, and nobody, Lewis Ferguson was top scorer. I think take away penalties, and I think it was Brian Hedges, and he had maybe what five or six yeah. last season. So there was an obvious need for for a for a like for an out and out striker. I think if there was an awful lot more to and this is not doing him down at all. But if there was an awful lot more to his game at thirty years old, then he probably wouldn't have ended up come across to Aberdeen mm. uh, like because he is a very very good penalty box striker He his his movements very good the reactions for the um for the first goal where i think almost every striker we've had in the last 20 years would have taken a touch on that mm-hmm. rather than try and finish it finish it first time um but yeah, he's instinctive, he plays on the shoulder well, but he, but the main thing is he, he he gets on the end of things, and I think that's that's what he's there for. Um, I think we've seen a wee bit more when he's had more support with hedges around him and some of the link up play and Watkins around him and some of the link up play. and even and even with with early on, there was a lot more it looked like there was an awful lot more to his game when he was playing with J. Manuel Thomas and he was kind of coming deep and making space. Um, So we might see a bit more all around from him, but I think the main reason he's in the team and the main reason he's there is to kind of finish things off and the way that Glass set up, certainly with the runners round about him, um, that'll be his job.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that. I think it works really well now that Marley Watkins is fit. And like, I like I, love Watkins. Watkins, is a player that I'm, I'm so really fond of, is it sort of work great. It's touch. He's sort of like the really archetype striker, but one that I, I really, really like. He, he's deceivingly quite strong as well. Watkins. He can. He, he's got like such battling qualities, and he suits Scottish football down to the ground. Uh, Marley Watkins, and it's like now with Watkins willing to do so much work round and about it really does allow Aberdeen to have someone who really is just focusing on being in between the posts. Whereas I think when you take Watkins out, I'm not so sure that there is the, the correct blend that sort of allows for that. Um, it's interesting to see J. Emmanuel Thomas back in the team. Tom, we've not seen him in a while after what was sort of like a really, really good start at Aberdeen, wasn't
0: it?
1: Yeah. I, I, and I think Glass has said he's trained really well. Um, and it's kind of just demanded his 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 place back and i think when i mean when he's good he's unbelievably <laughs> good like when he and but the problem is he's been good and maybe four games this season been in, been okay in a couple but largely a, a, you know he can really really drift out of games and and when he drifts out of games he's just anonymous um when he's good, he's really, really good. And I think if they if they can get the blend right, with they're all quite complementary, they're all quite different. With Hedges, Watkins, Jet, and and mm-hmm. if Ramirez is is the, the 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 sort of man through the middle, and um, and they can all get close enough to him to be effective, then yeah, that you are asking quite a lot of questions. I, I'm not sure about how feasible it is long term to just have kind of like four attacking players and go, here you go, deal with this, see how see what we do. It may need to be a bit more nuanced, but there's definitely signs that the defense is getting a bit better. Um there's another good performance from Mojo. Uh, David Bates has had a couple of decent performances back to back now. He to, was he
2: was he's been he was heavily, heavily criticized when yeah. when he came in Bates when he's first Few weeks, and I think, I, and I don't think it's just based on those games. I think people had the reservations about Bates even the second that he, he was linked to Aberdeen.
1: Yeah, and when he first came in, he was he was well off the pace. He was yeah. out of position a lot. He was costing at least a goal a game um, directly. There's still mistakes in there, but there's the signs. There's there's positionally, he was a lot more. He was he's been a lot better. In both of these, both of these matches, um, he's been covering a bit better. Um, he's his distribution of the ball is a bit better. But all, all things considered, and yes, it's against a St. Mirren team that have really struggled for goals and a Livingston team at the bottom of the league. But in these two games, the McCrory and and David Bates were both both an awful lot better. And I think if they can sort that out, get some of the players back from injury, that. You know, if Calvin Ramsey and McKenzie come back, that I means it's not. And again, Ojo had a good game at right back. But if it's not Johnny Hayes, reliant on Johnny Hayes and, and Ojo at full back, where they're you know they, they're good going forward, but they may be a little bit more suspect defensively, and you might need to, to rethink that. Then there's this there's there is a potential run of fixtures where they could move up the league a bit.
2: Yeah, because. I, mean, I was going to ask you about Aberdeen in general, but this, there seems to be the um, feast or famine a bit. Mm. With, with Like when you ever look at um, so Aberdeen's form, it's either all blocks of red or all blocks of green, um, and there's sort of rarely any draws. <laughs> and, uh, and do you think consistency will come? I mean, you've got Declan Gallagher back on the bench there, which I know um, will, will be good news. Do you think that consistency might come now with... with with, the, with, with, like you're saying, a kind of fixture list? I think
1: it might. Uh, I think this might be this kind of season. I think there will be more consistency. I mean, that was only the second time this season they have put two league wins together mm. um, at, since the first two games of the season. Um, I I don't think this is going to be the kind of season where at any point they'll get like seven wins in a row or anything like that, six, seven wins in a row. Um I think there's still going to be shock results and there's still going to be times when they just don't click uh, because it's a whole new team. I mean, it it is a whole new team. I still have my reservations about some of the... I'm still not sure of what it is. I'm still... I think the best results this season have been the surprise ones and some of the performances. Um, No, the, the, the game against... Um, in fact, bo- both games against Hearts, the game against Rangers at Ibrox, games against Celtic, have been been pretty good. But it's the games against you know against Dundee, against, the first game against St Mirren, the, the game against uh, Ross County, the where they just haven't turned up. Um, because it's the, because partly because I have those reservations, partly because it's a new team that's still kind of gelling, partly because there's been injury problems, um, partly because they're trying to. Impose a, a a whole new way of playing, um, and I still don't think the game management's quite there yet. Um, I think it might be a stop-start season. Hopefully, there will be a, a bit of a run of form um, now, and uh, you know, pick up a, a few more points and at least sort of consolidate. The top, uh, a position in the top six over the next, over the Christmas period at least, and um, make up some, some ground that was lost earlier on in the season. But I wouldn't be hugely surprised if this was a bit of a bitty season. And even if, even if come the end of the season, it's seen as a fairly successful one for Stephen Glass, which, you know, I haven't made my mind up yet, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a fairly successful season that never really had a surging run of form.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a cup run would do very nicely for Stephen Glass. I think the Scottish Cup could be like that that can sort of add some to the season, some excitement for the fans, especially if you're saying if it's going to be bitty form, well this team sort of gets cohesion and and, and and like finds its feet with with all the players coming back, then keeping people interested properly that a cup run could be sort of really, really important um, to, to Glass there. Like, going over to Sim Mirren, I've been on here to defend them I, I, I was relatively I was pretty impressed with them against Hearts even, even though they got beat I felt they went toe-to-toe toe with Hearts at Tynecastle, Castle that not everyone really does I mean Hearts have been really formidable at home this season I really thought and were really quite unlucky in that game but I mean snow no wins in eight they're falling down the bottom of the league it's not like they've got tons of injuries or anything like that I mean their squad's looking pretty pretty deep I mean the bench I mean there was that Erahorn, Kilty Tate and Dennis and McAllister all on the bench I mean I think by anyone's standard that's a pretty strong Scottish Premiership bench and it's still not happening I mean they went with Mark Miller um, who's sort of not started many games said Tate and he, he managed to get an assist for, for one of the goals I know he's sort of more of a playing in that right wing back role. And what that goal that came about is something that I thought was going to happen quite regular this season with Tanzer and Tate. I really because Tate loves sort of getting into the, the back post and, and turning up in the center of the box, but it hasn't really clicked. But I don't know, Sean, when when do you start to worry about St. Mirren properly?
1: Um I think you start to worry about them now. I mm. I think that they've they've they have got a good squad and I think one of Goodwin's strengths has been like every iteration of the team every year he's nipped it and tucked it and it's slightly improved it and it, it they were very unlucky you know uh, unlucky kind of daft as well that they, they didn't push on and get a top six finish last season they they were they had it in their own hands they've put together a very very good squad um, they're I, I guess there's just it's to some extent like with McGrath presumably moving on presumably in January um they they haven't managed to find uh, the regular goal scorer that they've needed for a couple of seasons um and there's started to uh, but they've always kind of been able to fall back on having a really really rock solid defense that's kind of gone now i think the concern I think they should have at the moment is they're on this pretty wretched run of form despite not they've not with the exception of this game they've not played atrociously badly in uh, during that run I mean the run is they, they got they lost two under Rangers so be it anyone that can happen have anyway. two all draw with Motherwell it's not the end of the world lost to Dundee that was pretty bad St Johnston game where they were by far and away the better team that just couldn't score Drew with Livingston lost to Hearts when they like you say they went toe-to-toe uh, the draw with Ross County, again, in isolation is not a terrible result. This one, where they just didn't turn up, the problem that I think they've got is they've now got Hibs, Celtic, Rangers, Dundee United, the other next four games. Wouldn't be massively surprising if that eight-game run stretches to a 12-game run. Um,
2: then then you're talking about a third of a season.
1: And then you're yeah, and then you know, then you're 21 games into a season, and you've got 17 points, mm. and with games coming thick and fast, who knows who knows what happens there. I think I think they need to they need they need a couple they need a bit of fresh blood in January. Um, I I mean I think Jimmy McGrath's been been a very very good player for them, and I don't think he's necessarily down to tools by any stretch, but I think. They might want to, if it's at all possible, to kind of cash in on him or, or move him on and bring in a couple of players in uh, um, in his place. Then I think they, they, they do kind of need that because it, it's certainly a little bit stale at the moment. And even Jim Goodwin's comments afterwards... Uh, i've never known jim goodwin to ever say the better team won <laughs> uh he is not he does not seed ground like that um uh, and say you know you've got to hold your hands up so i think they're not there they are still they're still a far better squad than the players round about them than the team's round about them i, I think but they run their on and with a couple of bad results and the fixtures they've got coming up um they do need to start Stop conceding goals.
2: Mm. I wonder yeah. we might see them. Re, we might see the, the McGrath Scott Allen swap mm. that was obviously seconds away from going through. Apparently in in, in the summer window that I'd imagine Hibs. Well, you'd assume Hibs would want to revisit that, and that's something. Was there was that they were clearly wanting to do that deal, uh, and and I, and I actually think it wouldn't be bad for submitting Scott Allen's. In numbers this season are actually pretty good in terms of on the field, but he's clearly an impact player at Hibs now, that's how he's viewed. Um, I think with St Mirren's squad, the style of it and the style of players that they have, I think they could carry a player like Scott And I think they do have the, like, Flynn, Power, Erehorn, I mean, Tate, Tanzer, none of these guys are shirking, they're running. Um, and and so I could definitely picture Scott Allen being able to play in that team. Um, and Scott Allen's I could imagine just going there and doing really well and, and bringing that sort of real bit of flair um, and sort of through balls for Brophy. And then Brophy will just shoot every single time he gets it or, <laughs> or whatever. But um, well, and, and now they're happy to play with these dual 10s. It's, it's confusing me. I look at this the Simona team and I think oh, the, the components of it, and I am saying this to... We were saying this last week, me and Craig, that the components of it all make sense to me, um, and it like, like And then he's found a way to get McGrath and Ronan into the team and Ben Brophy. And they said that they what I said last week is the only issue I had to that is that just everyone wants to shoot at McGrath, Ronan, and Brophy, and that might come with some of its issues. But um, yeah, I've just I've got faith in Jim Goodwin. I think it will come good. But what's unfortunate is that even if it does come good, it'll still be like in our bottom six finish. So it doesn't mean it'll be bad. It's just, I had personal expectations of in eh, after last season and I thought they improved and with Jim Goodwin and I just think it'll be a shame. It's like they're, they're going to miss a year and when you've got a good squad together in Scottish football, you might only ever have it for a year, two years max before. because just there's so many moving parts with, with players and, and having them together and getting it right and then before Goodwin maybe gets tempted away, he'll be there for a few years and it might just be like this... Be a year might feel like a year that got away from Sitmarin. and it might not end in disaster, but I think there was possibilities for it to be something, and it's not going to be, um, and that's that's possibly the best case scenario for them, just now. And I think that's just a it's just a bit of a shame for for me. Why don't we go to Easter Road, Tom? Mainly just because I was there, so I, I can maybe talk at depth. Uh, about the game, Hibs um, and, and Motherwell going head-to-head, Hibs not making any changes to their team whatsoever, really, once again, which all seems a bit bizarre, Tom, because, I mean, they spoke about the fact that they, we have this the big schedule um, and, and lots of games coming up and this man, Jack Ross spoke about that. And he doesn't seem to, and there seems to be this issue, and I think this happened last season around this period. Is that Hibs keep on playing the same team and then it goes into bad form? But it's like he doesn't trust a lot of his squad players. And I think this screams about Hibbs looking back now. Everyone can see Hibs had an absolute terrible um, summer window. I mean, the only person who plays um is Jake Doyle, is is Jake Doyle Hayes, out of anyone that was anyone that was signed there. I mean, would and Scott are basically Woods no longer at the club, mm-hmm, <laughs> and, and, and Scott can't even get on the bench. Um, So like that, that's it. so like these guys, it's like they never even existed in a, a Hib shot. So I, I think we, I think he does need to because you could see the team really fringe enough. We got Hibbs got a lot better in the second half, but the first half they looked knackered, and Motherwell were. Well on top, and they were really unlucky not to be two or three goals ahead. Um, like Van Veen McGinn had to make a great tackle against Van Veen. Watt had a header, um, what sort of had a had a really good game in there, and then they had Slattery and Goss, and it was a good midfield battle, and they were they were really, really dominating it rather well. And it was nice to see Stephen O'Donnell had managed to make his way back at the team and Mugabe had been moved back into the, in the center half. <laughs> Um, But the game sort of changed on its head. Uh, Ross made a tactical change, which I think he does a lot less. Last season, I thought, was a real feature for for Hibbs in the way that they played, was that they would flop formations during the game quite regularly. And this season, we started playing a back four all through, like, for the first period of the season. Then we moved into a back three, and it stayed a back three till then. Whereas last season, I felt like that it changed all the time. But this season he, he's been pretty rigid in the game but in this game he changed it and what that done is he, he moved Cadden to the left hand side of the pitch then it would be um, Josh Campbell in behind Nisbet and then Martin Boyle went out to the right and then McGinn, Porteous, Hanlon and Doig were the back four and what that meant is that Martin Boyle was able to get to the game uh, and, and could ball carry for Hibbs which meant that we were, Hibs were able to gain the momentum and they were able to put Motherwell under sort of quite a lot of pressure and Hibbs basically scored within, honestly, about a minute or two from, from that. I'm not, it's a bit, would I be mean, a bit cheap of me to claim that that was the direct reason, but because uh, it was more what happened after that that made me think that, that, that the change had worked. But Boyle. We're not, we're not, we're not above cheapness. So okay. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, but Boyle, see, when you play Boyle up front, you're looking for explosiveness uh, and you're looking for moments, whereas Boyle out wide can be almost like a playmaker, if you want. He's like, he gets on the ball constantly. I mean, a big feature that Hibs played even when Martin Boyle used to play right wing back was he'd we'd swing the ball out to Martin Boyle and then he would drive forward with it and it would pin teams back. So I get the feeling maybe sometimes maybe away from home, I mean, at home when Hibs are meant to be the aggressors and Hibs have had really, really poor home form, that maybe sensibly that Boyle out there is it would be a better bet to play out on that right hand side. I don't know if you'd have any opinion on that at all.
1: I think. I mean, uh, given, hmm, good point. Given, given, like his goal threat this season, you want to get him as involved as he can be, and and he seems to be more of a goal threat, certainly for the first couple of months of the season, than I'd ever seen him. Mm. Like he, he, like he, the first couple of months of the season, you're like, has Martin Boyle got better again?
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I I heard you after the after the cup semi final. I mean, you are. you were going wild on. That. I, I fairly enjoyed myself, Tom. Listen to the podcast. You were, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were sort of like eulogising Martin Boyle.
1: It he certainly did seem to, to to have found another level again. And um, with each one, players like that to be as involved as possible. I think the the difficulty is when the difficulty sometimes when he when he goes wide and hips aren't firing completely then you somebody else needs to be doing something to get the most out of to, to give him space to run into to mm. give him space to to uh, to give him so su- to, to almost like like you know a, a, on a blunt level like a blocker you need somebody else to be worried to be worrying and occupying other players so that everyone's not just going okay well keep him wide yeah um, but i but I think against Motherwell, I think, uh, and certainly against, but Motherwell's Motherwell's greatest strength and probably their biggest weakness is they're quite rigid. Mm-hmm. They're um, that you can you, you can kind of get in behind and you can they they can give you a bit of space in in the wider areas. Um, I think they're very they're a really really hard team to play against. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said. I said at the start of the season I didn't think there was enough flair in the team and I didn't think they would be great this season I think they'd be in in a bit of trouble but largely they've managed to keep the squad injury free they've kept the you've got a pretty good idea in any given week who at least nine of the eleven are going to be Tony Watt is in the best form he's ever been in his life Um, and that
2: midfield just works so hard and Sean Goss brings a bit of he brings a bit of talent, to it. Mm-hmm. I think. When, like he, he's two footed. He, he's got a nice delivery. Um, like I do feel his sort his main. He's almost like uh, Polworth, uh, a a mm-hmm. little bit, and and like his, his main skills aren't actually when the game's in full flow. It's more um, when when he when he stops or he, or he gets a set piece or you give him loads of time and he can pick it out. But again, similar of what I was talking about with submit him. they can definitely afford to have. Like that, that, this motherwell team could actually afford to pull Polworth, for example, whereas maybe in the past it couldn't, uh, because slattery does enough for for two guys in there. I mean, I, I, really, I really quite like slattery. I think he's a he's he's, an, he's a he's a good all round player. So there's a bit of balance in there. But yeah, I mean, tony was what I love about tony was it's he's sort of like make he's the one moving for van Vee, So he's mm-hmm. he's had to move for that, and he's still so. He's he's like such a leader now. He's like like carry. He's like takes so much responsibility, and that's them picked up four points. Um, when they win against Dundee United, then then away he stood because Tony Watts scored peaches for outside the box. That's that, that's a huge amount to ask. I mean Van Veen, who's someone I like, he was rubbish in the game, but, but I still quite enjoyed Van Veen because it's like he wouldn't let himself not be involved, so he just started being really really dickish all the time. <laughs> and he got booked because we, got, Macy got the ball and he jogged out with it and he tried to throw it wide. And Van Lee just grabbed his arm and stopped him from being able to throw it, which is like as petty as it gets for, for time wasted And it, it is blatant to still allow you to get his team going. But he was doing a lot of that and I could see him mouthing off and he was pushing, but things weren't really breaking for him. But I like that in a striker. I mean, I must have sat here so many times talking about like all the time, like I, I really like busy strikers. I think there's a lot to be said for busy, annoying, aggressive. Like a defender should always feel like they're, they're having to deal with something, uh, and I think Van Veen brings that because he has a lot of talent. He's got a really nice touch, he's a nice player to watch, uh, but he, he does, he definitely has a bit of a dark side. And I saw in this game, even if he's not playing well, he made sure he could still impact it in some shape or form. So, yeah, they're. they're the team, I'm, I'm with you. I, I got them pretty much finishing in the bottom two after, after the, me and Craig were talking about last week after watching the, the cup games at the start, which I'm really going to have to learn don't fucking matter because <laughs> <laughs> I had Dundee United um they'd be rubbish because I watched them play Queen's Park and I watched Dundee United play someone and they, they got played off the park by lower league teams, but it really doesn't matter. But to go back to, to, to Hibbs and Josh Campbell with a, a great assist for. Nisbet's goal. He was a big reason. Maybe what you're talking about that we were able to get him behind Motherwell because we were able to put Boyle wide in this game, and we wouldn't have been able to put Boyle wide until emerge without McGuinness being there or Dodge being on the pitch, without the emergence of Josh Campbell. And it's quite incredible how much impact Campbell's managed to have. And it's not always just about his ability; it's just about his. He's got the attributes that sort of allowing for everyone else. He's got the work rate to support Neil and Doyle Hayes and sort of make them a better and make them play better and feel like they've got support. Because in this game, as I said, in the first they they, they really struggled to get to grips with Cornelius Slattery and Goss in the early part of the game. And then Campbell was was able to do that. Even when we went to a 4-4-2, Campbell was able to sort of like drop off. It was more like a four-four-one one. It would probably be a better way of putting it. And Campbell was. Able to go back and help. And then like so Nisbit's forms improved immeasurably since the introduction of Campbell. So it's just for a 20-year-old who's was playing for Edinburgh City last season, <laughs> he's come in and he's like all these sort of like relatively big name, experienced players, he's managed to bring like it seems weird, like like tight style, he's managed to bring all these players on. And I himself have been still a bit up and down since they come in, but they so the forms improved immeasurably. I mean, we were losing every game before Campbell came into the team, and then since he's came in, have sort of like it's been up and down, up and down, uh, and he's been a big part of that. And unfortunately, he should have scored. He should have scored a couple. The shot cleared off the line from Boyle's cutback. and then obviously he hit the bar, which was I thought he was quite unfortunate with. But if I'm being honest, it was a a draw was a fair result. Uh, there was a point I was finding it funny because I thought Ryan Porteous had his poorest game in a while. But nothing. There was no. There was, when I was, I was laughing with me. I was like, "Is it going to end up that we get a clean sheet when Porches plays shit?" <laughs> <laughs> then, there's no mistake. But actually, he played badly. It'd be like the reverse, the sort of reverse Porches, But I never. Then I still think yeah, a draw was a fair result. I thought Ricky Lamy played decently well. Um, even though he switched off, him McGabby switched off a bit for Nisbet. Nisbet was a really clever run for the goal. He just sort of, one of those when he moved, McGabby thinks he knows where he is, and he manages to go around him. And he and he volleys it in the net, but yeah, I think Hibbs are gonna to have to he's gonna to have to accept, he's gonna to have to make changes because I said if Hibbs lost the first half, and that's a quite a constant for, for Hibbs at Easter Road under Ross in general, really. Is that they they start quite slow? And that was the first time in two months Hibs have managed to get ahead in a game. So who knows? Livingston away, <laughs> it's all coming thick and fast. I mean, you can change a narrative so fast when you're when you've got so many games, but it is four points from twenty-four. Um, for Hibs so not all isn't well Tom all isn't well but let's move on where shall we go next Tom let me have a look we'll keep it why don't we keep it on Saturday and we'll go uh, to Ibrox where Rangers got a 3-0 win against Dundee and they were Rangers looked like they battered them but all three goals were arguably quite fortunate yeah
1: I think that's fair to say Um I think Rangers did batter them from the from the looks of it and from certainly from from the highlights and the possession I mean Rangers had twice as many touches of the ball as Dundee that's not just possession you know that's not carrying the ball that's actually like passing and uh, holding on to it moving it around um I think what's interesting is were kind of people were kind of looking for what the the what the new manager bounce would be, what Van Bronckhorst would do, what would be a kind of telltale sign that he's putting his stamp on the team and what he's done is come in and play pretty much the same way as Rangers were playing to this point, with pretty much exactly the same starting eleven as you'd expect, only their defense looks a little tighter. Mm-hmm. um i think but for all the it wasn't really criticism but for all the slight grumbles about the latter part of um Gerard overseeing things was that the defense wasn't very good rangers frequently went behind or you know the they conceded an equalizer and then would have to find the other gears that they obviously have to 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 kick on and a couple of times this season they couldn't find those and largely they were quite a bit off the pace that they'd set last season despite being you know still the the best team in the country um admittedly it's only a, a couple of games um and you know a, a couple of games against not necessarily the strongest of opponents, but they do look a bit more assured defensively. Um I think
2: like well Calvin Bassi's had a a massive impact moving uh, into the set the center of defense where he's like he's arguably been I would say their best center half the season And gone yeah. by the last sort like, four or five games. And he seems to have
1: got a bit like Bassie and Goldson who was arguably player of the season for Rangers last season but has not has been he's been Poor this season. I'd go as far as to say he's been yeah, by his by own his standards, standards. He's been poor. Own, yeah. He's been very poor. Like, I think he he's he kept getting caught out with balls over the top, and he his concentration levels just don't seem to have been what they, what he, they were. He's almost
2: like he. He's almost like he admitted it all himself after yeah. the, the Hib semi-final. He was I, almost too honest. Too um, honest. Yeah. I think just. Just. Uh, I,
1: too honest, but absolutely accurate. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 And he in particular got. It was got like you'd of,
2: met. It's like you'd met Goldson in the pub, and you got him on like yeah. the, mag, the magic third pint, and it just started all coming out. I've just got some things to get off my chest. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: but but I think it's very very early days. But I think the one thing I would note from even the 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 uh, um, Hebbs game midweek and the this the game is that the Rangers. Don't give up much under Van Bronckhorst. So far, there doesn't seem to be a marked change in approach. That's kind of what's to be expected. Um, but you know, they were still attacking a lot. Like Tavernier got had more touches of the ball than anyone else on the park. Joe Aribo was getting in behind and was causing all sorts of problems. And was probably the biggest attacking threat. But it was it was the kind of
2: it, it, this game looked like the kind of functional quality that they had last season. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we can get into formation stuff. I mean, the subtle one people would say is he maybe moved to a four-two-three-one, ran a four-three-three, three. but I mean, they're, they're basically the same thing. I mean, we get like, we we am as guilty as anyone for getting uh, getting bogged down in it. Um, but the subtle one, and I, one thing I, I said this last week definitely looks like he's not interested in playing with Davis. And Kamara, uh, like I don't think we'll ever see Davis Kamara and Jack, for example, in a Scottish Premiership game. He may have, we, we'll, we'll find out in the future if you obviously use that was obviously it worked so well under Gerard when he went went away home from Europe playing those three. But here he, he's sort of like really seems to like our field and, and he's and he's playing them in, in, in that in that position there. But I'd say there's you give credit to Stephen Gerard here, and this is where Van Bronckhorst. He, he was, he was in that sort of relative unique position of joining a team that was already good. The manager didn't get sacked. He'd been poached, and 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 he's come in, and he said maybe a few tweaks to put his own bit. Gerard had built a good squad at Rangers. They were good. They won the league last season, and yeah, they were they were playing a bit beneath themselves. And I, and I said this before. I think um whether anything comes out or and uh, obviously as long as the. Sort of like people feel happy at Rangers and there's no issues off the field and, and they like the training methods or whatever like that. As long as all that stays the same, I think it could be a blessing in disguise. The team had obviously dropped off ever so slightly uh, and maybe Gerard would have sorted that. I, I, I don't know. But this sort of forces it, the change, it forces everyone to rethink, reset. Uh, and maybe, maybe it could be, even though Gerard done a good job and I'm sure the fans would have preferred him to stay, it could end up being a blessing in disguise. Um, them having to change manager,
1: I think if, it, if if ever there are there are there are exceptions when like you've got a really good manager and you another job comes up and you you know that even if they want it, there might be a blip, but they'll get they'll get their heads back down and they'll you know they'll they'll run from it. The, the Derek McInnes turning down Rangers first time round, you know that job obviously turned his head. There was a blip, but picked up after that and for the next 18 months, all was well. Um, The difficulty is, I think, if Gerard was brought in to stop the 10, he stopped the 10. Um, His stock was very high and he was never, ever going to leave Rangers at the end of a season because the job that he wanted, whatever that might be, will not come up at the end of the season and no one's going to wait around until... You know the 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 stakes are so high that a club that starts slipping down the league in the in the Premier League in England are not going to go yeah okay we'll, we'll we'll put an interim in in charge until they such a time as they come. So I think it was obviously there was going to be a, a time for him to to move on. And if there was any kind of whisper or any kind of suggestion that 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 was happening in the background, then that may explain why performances maybe weren't as good. Results were were fine, but performances weren't quite as good as they. They they have been. Van Bronckhorst basically just has to, at the moment, come in, not rock the boat, make sure that he's maintaining momentum, kind of like gradually suss out the squad that he's got, which seem it seems to be exactly exactly what he's doing, um, and don't, and just start like begin to put whatever his imprint on things is. Don't rip this up because it's working and it's worked very well over the last 2 years 18 months um yeah he just needs to just as he has been doing tread carefully and and don't don't rip it up and start again
2: yeah and make sure that he keeps the the morale needs to be high they all need to get on and that's and that's what we'll, what we'll find out um dundee i mean well before we move to the, the Morelos' goal the most Alfredo Morelos goal you will see uh, <laughs> just um, to force of will I yeah. will score here and uh, and that's one that's like, one of those reasons that I've said it so many times in here I just repeat myself all the time just love him so much for it just like the blend of aggression and skill was so perfect and that goal was all just about aggression strength a bit of luck and it he just he, honestly just reminds me he's just he is just the poor man's luis suarez so much so he just it's the exact same player just not as talented it's exactly the same
1: he did he did just bulldoze it it was like the ball was like a 50p piece or something it just like kept kept bobbling up and he still got control of it he still oh, he still he's somehow come away from that yeah um it was like if it, if anyone used to play sensible sensible world of soccer you had some players that had like unbelievably good control and could spin and do 300 yeah. and other players who couldn't and you could just like you had to sort of nudge it with them and then nudge it on and nudge it on and he is a 300 was a 360 <laughs> degree player playing with four players who could only nudge it on
2: <laughs> um, With Dundee I just wanted to get your feelings on obviously the move which I think is pretty brave um, and Dan Mullen has been, been good, and I almost and, and Craig Anderson made a good point last week about maybe even Suits playing in the Sloan Striker role over the other two. But it's quite brave of McPake and it shocked me a bit that, that Griffiths has been on the bench because when he first came in, he was shit, Griffiths, right? And he, and he, and he, and he was really poor and he was clearly unfit, and he, he kept on playing. <laughs> Despite that, and I thought, right, we've got this situation that McPake's brought him in because they know each other, and he trusts them. he's his boy for this for this team? And Griffiths is going to be playing no matter what. And obviously, he's went out injured, I think, for, for a period there. And now he's not. I just assumed he'd come straight back in. Do you, do you, do you, I think that's quite brave from McPake because I'm not. I'm not going to sit in and start slagging off Lee Griffiths. I mean, people can do that. So the fucking cows come home because there's a lot to talk about. But, um, you know, if, if he's come and he's, and he's went on loan to Dundee, I'd imagine he'd be pissed off not playing.
1: I think it's brave that presumably two of Dundee's, probably two of their three highest paid players are sitting on the bench at the moment when they are needing leadership and needing goals. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's, Quite, quite bold management. Um, I think it's a bit early to say whether it's sensible management, I think, but you can at least see the logic behind it. I think... Daniel they have Allen, been playing they, well recently. They have been getting results. They have been getting results and they look a more... They look a more cohesive unit. They don't look quite as... I think the... You know, like To some extent, we got what we expected with with Lee Griffiths. That there's been occasional moments of like him doing something that nobody else on the park would do, but most of the time he's just looked thoroughly off the pace. He, when he, I mean, when he 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 came on laterally in and this, and there were a few is kind of unlucky not to score. Um, i not to get sent off as well. Well, also, <laughs> that but there we go. That is the that's kind of everything that we would have expected. Of you know, don't,
2: don't get me wrong. I watched that and I could pass was on the for ages And there was, I don't actually think it was a second bookend. Don't get me wrong, I still think it was a bit silly because it was a nothing. It's a foul that you're not going to gain anything from, if you know what I mean. So it's like, I think when you're on a bookend, that's really really stupid, but when, when you slowed it down, it's just. Like coming, it's like coming. He tries to turn away. He tangles his legs and he falls over. And then obviously, Bassy knows. Oh, it's Lee Griffiths. He's on a bookend. uh There's a problem that Griffiths. He he's an emotional guy. He, he plays fully on emotion, uh, and he reacts. He reacts to people in the crowd. He reacts to people on the pitch. He's kind of always been like that. But you were always. But he used to be so good that he'd almost be able to shut people up just by by his ability. And I think now you see the emotional side of Griffiths comes out more now because he's lacking. Like he, he, he's lost that yard. He's not as involved. He can't. So, like what he normally uses his tool for getting it back up someone or getting it back up the fans, he's not really able to do that as much. So I think you're going to see the sort of petulant, childish side will come out more and more and more because that's how the frustration will will manifest itself now.
1: I think if you've if you've spent your entire career feeding off the crowd,
2: which he has, he's I mean, been. Has, it's always been a big thing has. for Griffiths. It has
1: well, I, in, on both sides. I mean, like largely, he's like been a fan favourite because he's always been a virtuoso. He's always scored ridiculous goals. He's like, pretty much until the last sort of two or three years, he's he's been a guarantee of goals wherever he's been. But equally, loves noising up the opposition fans. You hate your team playing against him. He can be an absolute shite bag. <laughs> um, if you've spent your entire career feeding off that and that's kind of what you need to get motivated, you need to be the one that instigates that for the crowd. The crowds are not going to... Like, at the moment, you can kind of ignore him because he's... He, He's been drifting in and out of, well, not even drifting in and out of games he's been drifting out of games yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. he's been seen he look, he does not look fit. he's still doing the niggly little things, but the niggly little things aren't winding people up they're just more likely to get like he's picking up bookings he's more likely to get sent off than anything else. He's getting involved in things that, that he doesn't need, and his own fans are not going at good starting the Griffiths today like. That's that's every time he gets the ball. There's not that same sense of expectation. There's not that same sense that you know everyone in the crowd is holding their breath, which was part of what must have must have clicked for him. That 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 kind of admiration. If you've got that relationship with the crowd, you need to be scoring goals so that people start going right. You know now now we expect something of him. Go and do it again. And so I think that there there, there is. Less football in that in that starting 11 if they don't have Lou Griffiths in the team. But there's so much more in other parts.
2: I don't want to go, I don't want to talk too much length about Dundee. I mean, they get beat, you go to Ibrox, you get beat 3 0. I don't really yeah. think it's the time for us to sit and sort of dissect what's good and bad about Dundee. And as I said, they had been on their first sort of like decent run of form. Uh, and, and I've said, we've spoken here before, that I actually think Dundee look quite pretty good sometimes. And and um, and, I, and I quite like the balance of the of the team. It's not the greatest team, but and some of them are championship players, but it has balance and it has match winners. And like we said, Cummings and Griffiths, uh, Cummings especially at the moment, he's a great bench player, actually. I think he's really, he would, he would hate it. But I actually think Cummings really suits being a sub. Um just the kind of player he is when teams are tired he likes to he plays in between the posts he wants to be a goal scorer so I think it could suit them having that and then having someone like Mullen who maybe does a bit more running Is better ways back to goal um, but I may mean, be unfair because I think Cummings was a bit unlucky because he was the one playing quite well when Griffiths came in he lost his place because of Griffiths and now Mullen's got in and he's now ends up looking like he's like the third third fiddle if there's a such thing as a third fiddle Um <laughs> but that's, let's go to Dundee's big rivals, Dundee United, who too. took an absolute spanking from, from, from Celtic. Um at uh, uh, Tannadice. um Celtic looked irresistible at times, to be honest.
1: It did. I think if your if your tactic against Celtic is that you're gonna sit deep and let them let them have the ball forty yards out and try and break against them. Can't let them keep putting balls pretty much onto the penalty spot and not defending them. Um, I, I think it was the Celtic. were... were we we'll, we'll do Celtic first. I, I think they they are growing in stature in every game. They are they do seem to be finding more. Like I never, we've been watching Tom Roggett seems to have been playing at, at Celtic for twenty years. <laughs> I've never seen him. Do that. Um, yeah, it's, always, it's
2: always been his shooting. It's always been sort of like his main thing about it's in the box. But and he and he's as, always as an, and he's, as an Aberdeen fan, yes, I am very well aware of the fact <laughs> that Tom Rogic cuts in on his left-hand side
1: and rifles it past Joel Lewis from 25 <laughs> yards. Yeah. That's what he does. I've never ever seen it this sort of like twisting, turning Jinking I've, winger. I've
2: seen who, it in the middle of the park with Roger before, where he where he where he skips away for a couple of people due to his close control, and then the whole game opens up. But yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him sort of do it in the like in the penalty box. And it's interesting with Celtic, they they seem to be getting as you're saying that they're, they're growing in stature, they seem to be really getting used to their shape uh, and the style with Posse Cogloo, like Taylor coming in, coming back, and Juranovic going up the right-hand side. The sort of inverted fullbacks that the Ange Postecoglou definitely likes, definitely also doing with Rudgek and Turnbull pushing wide, which is what happened there. I mean, Rodjick, um like they, both, both, the, both the goals came from from Rodjick on that going on to the right hand side and picking up the ball, and it just becomes so confusing. Like you're saying, for, for Dundee United, if you want to just mark your 18 yard line and you're not pressing it can be quite tough because you start seeing the wrong numbers around you. And this is what it is. It's, it's the, the things like the inverted fullbacks. For me, the reason that the like teams like doing them is firstly, you can, you can create more numbers in the middle of the park, which is where the game normally is. And you, and you want to do it, but I also feel it's, it, it unsettles people not seeing the right person in front of them. And and I, and I don't mean this in the, I don't want it to be a Scottish football banger. I mean, cause I love Scottish football. And I, I, I do this for Christ's sake, but uh, um but obviously, when you're talking about not the highest level of player, um, I feel, feel like that could really, I can imagine it being really unsettling, not being able to mark your man, not looking at the guy that's right beside you and it causes confusion, it adds chaos. And if you can get out of yourself, and you and get in right? This is what I've been talking about. This is why they're they're keeping clean sheets. It's not because they're so good defensively. Teams cannot handle it. They and, they and they 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 get rid of the ball much quicker because, as I said, they're, they're chasing shadows because people are moving so often and moving from different parts of the pitch, and then your shapes getting yanked all over the place, and then by the time you get on the ball, you're knackered, and you probably make one pass, and then you, you've gifted it back to Callum McGregor again. So, so I think the work I really am quite impressed at how Coglu has got his ideas across. Quite so quickly when his ideas they're not groundbreaking. I mean, this type of thing we've we've seen from the, the top clubs in terms of like off the ball press and inverted fullbacks, all this stuff. We, we, this is this stuff that we we've come accustomed to over the last few years at the top level. But it's still pretty forward thinking. It's it's fresh, and for him to come in. Under the guys that he was, he was he was people running back in him. Um, people didn't fancy him. A lot of people had a lot of doubts on him, um, and for him to come in and and sort of do this, I really think it's really quite fucking impressive what what he's done so quickly. Yeah, he 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 definitely seems to he's
1: he's confident and self assured, and I think that even when results weren't there, and even when I mean, there's there's there are still question marks over the defense. Even when the the question marks were raised over the defense, I I can't think of many examples that like this when they weren't of the manager. It, it was like results are not coming, so it's that like the buck wasn't seeming to stop with him, and um, and it does there there does seem to be signs that certainly that attack is clicking. Players are coming back to full fitness. I mean it, they won they won they won 3-0. It could have been like comfortably could have been six. Yeah. Especially in the first half. They just they just absolutely ran over the top of Dundee United and in a way that suggests that if they really had to they they could have found a number of other gears. I think there there were Dundee United were particularly passive. It was their worst performance of the season by, by quite a long way. It's silly. I
2: mean, it doesn't make sense because under Courts, they've been good at pressing. That's been something. They, 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 they're off the ball works arguably been the some of the most impressive parts since the Courts come in. It. I really think you might there might be a bit of regret. From courts in this game, it's because he it feels like he kind of went away from what he's been doing with Dundee United, and I know that they they were shit against Motherwell, but I think that was just a, a really poor performance rather than. Whereas this, it was a deliberate move away from what you've been doing because of the style of team you're playing, and that's very easy for me to say. <laughs> and I mean, we all do this all the time, and they could easily have got beat. Final of again but I just think try to just protect your. Your eighteen-yard line, just against. I just don't see it really ever going to work. But I'd say that Livingston pulled off um, at, at Parkhead, so maybe I am talking shit. Maybe that, that that was the blueprint he was maybe looking for. But I do feel Livingston are maybe a bit more comfortable doing that. It's something that Livingston have done over the years with and, and and their squads still has the makeup to do that. But maybe I'm I'm just talking shit to try and prove my own point. <laughs> I'm trying <to>
1: make- <laughs> well, I think that I think that's fair. I think that. Uh- if you turned up, if anyone turned up um, and faced Livingston and you had a team that were kind of camped in hardworking and had a slight X factor from somewhere, that that's what Livingston do. Dundee United this season have been hard pressing. They have pressed high up the pitch. They have won, ball, won the ball back high up the pitch. They've won the ball back when they've given it away very, very quickly. Um, but there was none of that. And... Partly, yeah, yes, they've got injuries. Yes, the squads. Then, yes, Fuchs is only just coming back in and probably isn't fully fit. But to abandon the game plan the way that they did and set up set up in a way that they really are not suited for to to be quite so passive. Um, I, I don't know. They re, they did really play into Celtic's hands. Not to take anything away from Celtic, because of, like as, as I say, they, they if they. would if this had been 6 0, it would have been absolutely a reflection of the way the game passed. Yeah. I mean,
2: like, the best player to the really use in, in the example of what you're talking about, like Carter Vickers was just able to <laughs> come out with the ball at will whenever he felt like he looked. One of those ones where you know a player's really fucking enjoying themselves because the, the team that he's playing against is just allowing him to do exactly what he feels comfortable doing. And Carter Vickers isn't perfect. The, the six to 10 million shouts. Not for me. I mean, that's a huge amount of money, and that's not a slant on Carter Vickers. I think he's been pretty good, especially in, a, in, a, in an offensive term. And then sort of Stark felt back in the team there, and they certainly look not quite as sort of like on it. I'm, I'm not as on, even though I'm, I'm I'm a neutral, but I'm not as on edge watching them. I was on edge watching Stark felt and Vickers at the start. Because I just felt like, especially start, felt like he was going to get caught under. I always felt like he was a bit to get caught under the ball. It was something, and his timing was was off. But but he's came back in recently, and and and, and as I said, they have they, been all right, and he might be able to get settled. Then scales came off the bench. I mean, if we're talking about um, if I am going to be, I am getting all geeky and talk about inverted fullbacks. I mean, scales comes on, and he manages to to end up at the at the edge of the box to 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 sort of stroke one in, and I thought it was a really tidy finish and. It's always nice to see. That's when you know things are just going great for you, when you're just bringing on young young defenders and they just come straight on and bash it in in front of the away fans. But the what you're talking about, Postacogli, is just he's, he's, he's built that connection up the way. And, and I think that comes from... And this is where when we talk about what people do in the pressers, in the press conferences, how that links with the fans. He's a really good example of it. His... Style, the way he deals with questions, the way he's dealt with Scottish journalists who don't have a lot of goodwill and in, sit, especially in a, in, a, in a paranoid support like Celtic. They do not have, a, there, there's not a lot of goodwill for him to. He's been a breath of fresh air, I think, because he comes in and he's not got any of the baggage for this. He doesn't know who any of these people are. So when he comes across what he thinks is a daft question, he just reacts to it like that. And he, and, and, you feel like he's, he's, he's control. It's like he wears his heart on his sleeve, but in a controlled manner. So, like, so he still knows what he's doing, but he, he pushes the envelope a bit. And, and that's built up sort of like a real rapport with the fans now. Uh, and now the Celtic fans are looking really, really loud again at their away games. Every game he's going over and it's like party time in the back. He's tapping his chest. In the least, I do like the way Pat's chest was in like the least passionate way. Normally, when people do the chest thumping, they they do it really hard. He just sort of slightly caresses his chest, then sort of <laughs> points at everyone, and then he got. I thought it was, it's it's all a game. It's, it's smart. He's picking up the scarf when he's walking off. This is important for him because he's coming from 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 out, and he's an outsider. I mean, not even just an outsider for you, he's an outsider for for European football anyway. Um, so this is it's. He's playing it really smart. I'm really, really impressed with everything he's doing like in a cohesive way on the pitch, how he's built his team and the way he's acting off the pitch, how he's building the bridges with the fans. And even if there was a little downturn in form, I actually now think that even if he didn't win the league, he wouldn't be chased out of town. Mm. And I didn't think that before. I thought with an outsider coming in, he is going to absolutely have to win the league to be accepted. I thought that would just be the only way that Poster Cogley would get any length of time here. But I actually think now he's managed to build up enough relationship with the fans that as long as things are going the right way and they keep the greater playing well, that they'll bide their time and see it. And it looks like, I mean, who says they can't win the league? I mean, they, they're, 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 they're trying to sign three players for the J-League I saw today. Um, and if they're half as good as Furuashi, then they'll be laughing. But um, So that the, the club's obviously going to back them and that's another thing he's managed to do. He's managed to convince them to go down his angle for his players so, I'm, 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 I'm kind of boasting. I'm, I'm going wild here about Paul I didn't really intend to do this but then, <laughs> no, then you yeah. look at that, he, he sort of dealt with the board as well now, so it's like every facet of being the manager he's sort of coming up trumps at the moment
1: Yeah, and I think, it was an interesting point, I think it was made off the, in, in one of the eulogies for Walter Smith that, that with the two old firm teams there's always a good guy and a bad guy and I think we now have quite an interesting dynamic where at the start of the season you know Gerard was Gerard could do no wrong Postacoglu was the guy that was coming in and uh, you know he was a an outsider he hadn't worked in european football his cv was from leagues that nobody in you know none of the general mainstream scottish media had had a huge idea about um yet he was abrasive and in, in in media conferences so he was definitely framed as as something of the bad guy but he's won the support over they're on a good run of form they're playing really well Gerard's left van Bronckhorst's come in um it will be ex- it'll be really interesting to see how that dynamic plays out in the next sort of six weeks the rangers are ahead but they're only four points ahead um and yeah, that's a huge Post, old fun game it's at New Year. That's a massive huge, huge. one. Uh, but Vostoklu at the moment is is he's the good
2: guy, and like Van Bronckhorst has kind of gone. And the, I think he's been quite quiet. Van Bronckhorst for a Rangers manager just to come in. I feel like he's 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 been really quite quiet. I don't mean this in a criticism. I just think I've just noticed. I, I don't maybe it's just that I'm not listening. But I don't feel like it's I'm hearing Van Bronckhorst constantly. Um. In the media, a lot he doesn't seem to say too much, and he's certainly not said anything controversial or anything. And that kind of what you're saying that he is maybe that that does link with what we were talking about earlier. He's he's keeping things ticking over, and he's not trying to rock the boat, and it's maybe the smart. It's maybe the smart play. Uh, or maybe this is just what he's like. He's maybe a bit more reserved than, than what, what other managers might be. But there we go. There we go. Bad post glue. You've impressed me if that helps you sleep tonight. Um, and now let's finish off uh, on Sunday where Hearts managed to go to the Tony Macaroni. And after a real tough first half, it looked quite similar to the, to the Motherwell-Hibbs game, actually, where Motherwell were sort of a much better team. And I thought Livingston looked much stronger than Harps in Hearts in the first half. But then Hearts, clinical, the, first, the second half, they, they, they managed to get their chance and a, a, a really delicious pass for, for Barry McKay, a really nice cushion pass uh, for Liam Boyce to score. Uh, and then Hearts sort of played pretty decently in the second half, but Livingston will be quite disappointed with that, won't they? This seems to be what
1: happens every time I've seen Livingston. This mm. season, with. I mean, with, with the possible exception of when they played us last week, but... Um, every time i've seen them they've been in games they've they've caused problems without necessarily creating openings they've been a little bit unlucky um, and they've worked really hard and hung in hung in there with games but when they've gone behind you haven't really felt that they've got a, they've got an equaliser in them that they're there's a lot of there's a lot of effort but there's not really there's not really a, a a huge amount of quality there yet Um, having said that they were only really denied a point from what is now a kind of standard wonder save from Craig Gordon who seems to be doing this I mean he is doing this if not every week then every second week where I mean if the season's finished tomorrow um, he's player of the season
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I, think I think that's hard to to argue with because it's just his performance levels are so high, it's so especially, constant.
1: Especially as Hearts have had a bit
2: of a blip, not a blip blip by the standards. Maybe, but the reason it's not a start. blip, the reason it's not a blip is because of him. So when they've played, yeah. when they went badly, they're not losing games. So they went in a little period where they drew a lot of games. And now, they're, they're, now they're, they've are now they had a few games where they, they've done the United game where they won a lot. But they want it with a good performance. But now whenever they don't play well, they're still walking away with a win like this or, or, or with a point.
1: Or they're in it. I mean, the 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 yeah, I mean, even when they're behind, they're they're not going so far behind as they can't hang on and and they're still in the game. Um it's it's kind of ridiculous. Like it, is it too much to say that Craig Gordon is play is in the best form he's ever been in? <laughs> I'm not sure it's a huge stretch. Um, there aren't like he's the best goal in the league. He's one of the best British goalkeepers still, if not. I mean, I don't know. The,
2: Gordon Pickford. I'd be having yeah, Craig Gordon. I you. would be having. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
1: mean, Aaron Ramsdale, Arsenal's having a really, really good season, and he might be the long-term solution there. He's having a very, very good season, but on experience i would be having craig gordon Mm. um this and the save the 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 this week's routine wonder save he sees it so late and Mm when you see from the angle behind the goal you see how late he sees it and you see how far away he is from it even like you're he's a big man and he's got a big wingspan but it looks Mm. like it's beyond him and is just gets his fingertips to it and touches it touches it wide. It, it, it's an unbelievably good save. It, it I mean probably maybe only the second best one he's
2: made this season. Yeah, because the one uh, in Motherwell at Fur Park is is has got to be the best uh, when the ball smashed on the volley from from four yards <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he, thought he and it the one the other thing that makes this save so much fun for Gordon is he makes the one-on-one save just before yeah. it uh, which is is a good save, but I mean the, the guy kicks it right arm and, he, and it's more like because he comes and closes the angle well, which is great. And then he manages to do the thing where he pushes the ball away when they try to put it back in. So w- that save in isolation is an incredible save. But then when you add the bells and whistles around it, it's not like they, it's not like you had to do them all like fast. They didn't. None of them really correlated with the other one, but it still looks really cool. If you know what I mean, it's not like when you make a double save and you've got to get out quickly. That didn't happen. But you still had to make three contributions in about a minute, less than a minute. And then one of those contributions was absolutely ridiculous. So that when you add that, as I say, those little bells and whistles, it all looks, uh, it just it started to look incredible. He's starting to have that. The managers are talking about it now at full time every week. So that means he's starting to have that impact when, I'm not sure who was it, was it Shinny who, who missed the one-on-one? Yeah, yeah. So when he's bearing down them, it, it will go through his mind. This is Craig Gordon. I'm going to have to do something else. You know what I mean? So right, you can't think quickly enough because you're, you start overthinking everything. You know, normally you're thinking, I'm going to open my body and I'm going to try and put it in the, the bottom corner or I'm going to give the eyes and I'm going to put it in the near post corner. They're the, sort of two, the two options, if, if you like. And then you start going through and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to do something else. And then that split second gives the goalkeeper that extra able to get that extra yard and cut that angle even more. So when you're, so like when you can you can start having such an impact on people's brains without even doing anything, just because of how good your form is, uh, and like I say, now everyone it's like everyone's talking about you. Uh, I, for one, can't wait for the fucker to retire uh, <laughs> as a as a hip fan because he just every game it's it's the it's the same thing. But I, he's not if he's getting better. Do you? what's the there's no rules and i think sports science has improved so much that you can look after yourself enough and obviously you've got buffon is 44 playing and he's still playing in and i think he's still playing in Italy still in the playing top for parma yeah yeah so serie C- 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 b but serie b yeah. yeah so i mean serie b is probably still one of the top 10 leagues in the world easily um, I, I would guess in terms of quality um and I'm sure many people would argue that it's better than the Scottish premiership mostly, and, and they'd probably be right, whatever. But so there is no rules. And Craig Gordon, the way he talks, wants to keep playing. Um, and, and so maybe he is going to hang around for another
1: two, three years. I would um, not be at all surprised if he... If you he
2: see, uh, do you see him lining up at Euro 2024 in Germany, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. Yes,
1: yes. I, Craig Gordon, I'll, I'll say it right now. I think Craig Gordon will be Scotland's goalkeeper in mm. it, it, in 2024. well wow. there we go. I, I don't I don't think there's there's not an obvious choice to replace him. I don't see his form dropping off so dramatically that somebody else is going to come in. Um, I, I don't know what he's on caps-wise, but you know, he'll
2: be... fi- I think he's on, he may be on 15 now or something like that. I think it's something like that. <laughs> Hold on one second and we'll find out. We'll find out. Because he, he, he definitely got... They he not get when he's 39th as a hearts player because hearts are making a big deal about that because that was their most capped Scottish player from the caps earned while playing for hearts. So- He's got six,
1: 64 caps, in wow, Scotland caps in total, but made his debut in 2004. Uh, <laughs> he, he will, he will be I, Craig Gordon will be playing with Craig Gordon, will finish his Scotland career. Here's my predictions Craig Gordon will finish his Scotland career playing in an 11 with a player. Who started who was born after he got his first Scotland cap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And um yeah, and I think it wouldn't surprise me if he gets, you know, another 20, 30 caps, because I think he's it is a position we don't have a huge amount of competition for. Um there's not an So Johnston fans candidate.
2: are going crazy as we speak, Tom. <laughs> let let them talk.
1: <laughs> um he is he is head and shoulders above everybody else in the league certainly this season, but his performances internationally have been great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I,
2: Which will also help with the player of the year shout. People say it shouldn't, but it does. It does. Yeah.
1: It, it does. I mean, I, I, look, by the end of the season, whoever's won the league will have a couple of players who are very, very good shouts. Hearts may, may stick around in the position that they're in. They, their form may tail off a little bit, I think, and revert to the mean a wee bit. They might not, Finish as strongly as they started, but Greg Gordon, regardless for for the half season he's had so far, deserves to be in consideration for Player of the Year when it when it comes around. Yeah, I mean, what,
2: I him him and Callum McGregor are the two names that spring to man, and maybe Jota will be the other one uh, over the season. Um, but Hearts, see what I was talking about with Hibs earlier about the the lack of rotation that. Jack Ross done, and then said he'd done it last... I think the same thing happened last season. I felt like oh, any player that comes in is rusty and any player who's been playing a lot of the time is tired. But um, but then with Hearts, so they made a couple of changes again. Uh, McIniff getting a start. Woodburn came back in. Uh, Cochrane didn't start in, in the other games and, and they made some subs. So Nielsen does seem like he is willing to use his, use his squad and the manager to get through. So I think one of those, I mean, it's a cliche and it isn't always true because Livingston have actually been quite shit at home, (laughs) but you always feel like when you get three points at Livingston away, it hits different from other ones (laughs) and it's it's all because of um, bias and perception. It's not actually true, but you would feel like you've got to dodge, go to Livingston and get three
1: points. I think I'm right in saying they've only won one league game at home this season and that <laughs> yeah. the game against Celtic
2: yeah it's quite bizarre like Livingston like uh, like St. Johnston are really shit at home this season Hibbs are really shit got a few teams that are like not performing well at home whatsoever um, I imagine Sabirin aren't doing particularly well at home because they're not picking up any points anywhere Ross County could only have won um, one or two games at home as well because they've only won one or two bloody games but they, he, he's making changes I mean, Penrice playing out at left-back, like, they played a really, what looked like quite a narrow, really narrow like formation, Livingston. The, the whole Omionga, McMillan, Forrest, Sibold, and Shinny. So I think I'm contractually obliged to call that a false nine if Andrew Shinny's playing it, uh, regardless of what way he plays it. <laughs> because, because he's actually an attack midfielder. so it must be a false nine, which I think, quite an interesting move. I think this says a lot about Hearts sort of back three or back four or whatever with Hal Kip Suter and Smith. The strength of it is that they didn't fancy Bruce Anderson has been pretty good. Um, I would say for, for Livingston, but they didn't. They probably just didn't fancy him going in his style, which is to be quite again like I talk about the reason I like these person. and I've always been a, a Bruce Anderson fan. So busy, always causing problems, running into the flanks, uh, fighting with defenders, even though he's quite small. But they probably just didn't fancy him in this in this game against uh, to be able to do it. So they maybe tried to go with a bit more of a subtle touch with, with Andrew Shinney playing up there. And, they, I mean, it didn't work in the end, but um, they got there. But um, we might be talking about it over at the Patreon, which is a nice link because we're about to finish now, uh, to, to do that. But there was something that... Um, so, Martindale talks does this a lot. Like this time he was talking about the, the decision about the offside um, when when Bruce Anderson was running through, um, he was like he was saying that um, this is the kind of thing it'll cost my job. It won't cost us. And he always, he seems to seems always wish <laughs> he he's not a man that believes in. He's not a superstitious man, I don't think, because he, we're definitely not going to get relegated. And then he puts the eye in everyone's mind that like I'm getting sacked. <laughs> Nobody's that nobody's talking about you getting sacked at the moment, even though that could that that time could come. <laughs> so maybe maybe you don't bring it up um, uh, Martin but um, yeah, they're going to start winning There's teams now that are really starting. Like you said, they're in games: St Mirren, Livingston, even Ross County have started to to do it. St Johnston, despite the fact I've not been overly impressed with them, they're never getting humped. They just just all these teams just st- st- struggle for goals, and that seems to be the so January. I mean, there'll be someone doing a podcast soon. I'm assuming of what people are going to need in January. And it's just going to be for half the league strikers. Goals. Yeah, goals, goals, goals. But I hope you have enjoyed this evening's tennis podcast. We've got Kai of the Game once again. It's been over an hour. But hey, it's been fun. And we are, as I said, going to go over to the Patreon to talk about sort of things that be going on in Scottish football. He said, she said, all that type of stuff. Um, we might mention about Rangers not getting suddenly being told they're not allowed any tickets. Maybe I'm we didn't you might have noticed that we didn't talk about Callum Butcher's red card. Maybe that's going to come up when we go over. Maybe I've got a bee in my bonnet about how Ryan Porges gets treated in the media. And then when Callum Butcher goes around like that, nobody really fucking says anything. Maybe that's what we'll be talking about. We'll find out. You'll need to come over and pay us the two quid or the five quid or whatever to come and hear about it. So say goodbye. Everyone, Tom, and then we'll go over and do this. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.